2: With just one week left until the midterm elections, the focus on crime and inflation playing in the Republicans' favor as an updated Fox News power rankings shows Republicans are primed to take back the House with a majority of possibly 236 seats.
0: I think that the projections by Fox News and the power rankings and what Bill and and you and Josh have said are all correct in this way, that's a real governing majority for Republicans. That's not just a squeaker night where then you have to find a couple Democratic votes here and there to pass anything, this will be a larger governing majority than Speaker Pelosi has had for the first two years of the Biden presidency.
2: Meanwhile, the Senate could break either way as the races in Nevada, Georgia, Arizona and Pennsylvania are still marked as toss ups. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, Fox News political analyst Juan Williams, Republican strategist and former campaign manager for Scott Brown, Colin Reed. And Fox News congressional correspondent, Chad Perver, Chad, with 236, maybe even 238 seats, it would be potentially one of the bigger majorities that we've seen in a long, long time.
0: Certainly on the Republican side, uh, and that's going to be key uh, in the days shortly after the election, if Republicans win the House, uh, that could give Kevin McCarthy, who would be presumptively the the House Speaker, the margin he needs, uh, because there's some people who say if it's a small margin, if it's just a few seats that they get the majority, he could have problems because there's some Republicans, some members of the Freedom Caucus, some aligned with former President Trump, uh, you know, who don't like him and are afraid he might not push as far in a Republican majority right <laughs> But if it's a bigger majority, you know, you're going to have to see Republicans get into some of these suburban seats. There are several seats in California, uh, which probably shouldn't be in play for the Democrats, which are. Do they offset that with maybe, you know, holding on to the seat in Alaska that they won in the special election? Uh, do they flip a seat in eastern Nebraska in the Omaha area that's been Republican? Uh, that's Don Bacon, a moderate Republican there. That's a seat that uh, used to be Democratic just a few years ago, uh, and the Democrats are trying to flip back. Do they flip a seat in Ohio? Ohio? Ohio, Steve Shabbat, uh, the Republican congressman from the Cincinnati area. Uh, You know, this is why it's very hard to read how big that majority might be, because, you know, if they if they run the table in certain parts of the country, uh, do the Democrats make up ground other places? That's why it's hard to
2: read. Yeah, to your point, Chad, I mean, you've got some seats last time where Republicans overperformed. They were, you know, scheduled to lose some seats they didn't. And so those are a little bit tougher to hold on to two years later.
0: Right. And a lot of those seats also that are in play now, there's a seat that there's some concern in New Jersey. Uh, Josh Gottheimer, who's a moderate Democrat, one of the co-chairs, of the Problem Solvers Caucus, the you know, people who support him, they dumped a big load of money into that seat. Julia Brownlee, a, a Democrat from California. Those are the seats. These are seats that, uh, you know, President Biden won and in some cases won by bigger margins. And if Republicans start to win in those seats, then it could be a big night for them.
2: Juan, sometimes you look as you get to the end towards an election, where the money's going. And right now, there's a lot of money that the Republicans are putting into races in some districts that Biden won by 20 points. Democrats are moving to defend on some races that really they didn't think they'd have to defend at. The money is interesting to follow
3: It's fascinating to follow, especially at this juncture, because now what you're seeing is people are doubling down on bets or making incursions into areas where, as you described it, Brett, uh, it looked like there really wasn't a hope previously. So what we're seeing is evidence of a Republican momentum across the board in your conversation just a moment ago uh, with Chad. I think what you're really telling the listeners is Republicans are at have the advantage here as we come into the home stretch of this race. Um and all signs are that now there's according to the Fox News rankings not much chance that the Democrats hold on to their majority in the House. Uh previously, you know, there was a chance, I would say, you know, a 10-20% chance at best. Now it looks to be totally uh gone and What we're seeing is that, as you describe it, Republicans are using money in areas where previously it looks like they had no shot. But now they feel like they could embarrass the Democrats and push that majority to the point where, as Chad was saying, McCarthy would have uh, some comfort level in dealing with the far right of his party. And briefly, can I add just you know, one uh, p- point there? Yeah, around, go ahead. Uh,
0: Is that you know sometimes what happens, and this is what Juan was getting at with the money, is that one side starts to really dump money in to force the other side not to spend money in other races that they you know are probably going to knock off the you know the, the the other side. You know, so what they're trying to do on the Republican side right now is drain the Democratic cash as much as they can, so maybe they can hold on to some of these seats that are vulnerable. As one chairman of the NRCC, Greg Walden from. Oregon said to me many years ago, he said, You know, there's a lot of seats out there. I can get to 48%, 49%. I can't get them to
2: 50.1%. Yeah. Colin, on the Senate side, it's, it's on a knife's edge. Although there are indications that some of these races that were, again, on the outskirts are getting to low single digits, like uh, New Hampshire, Arizona has changed with the Libertarian in that race stepping out and endorsing Blake Masters. Uh, even Washington, which seems like a real stretch, uh, is still single digits um, in in a number of polls. Republicans I talk to say they feel a little superstitious that they're peaking a week right now and they, they want uh, Election Day to be tomorrow.
1: Well, when a political wave hits, Brett, there's no telling how far it's going to go and who it's going to take out or propel over the finish line in the process. And in many ways, the 2022 cycle is poised to end as it appeared to start. Uh, with a fairly sizable Republican wave. There was that brief aberration in the summertime when it looked like the Democrats may have been regaining the momentum and they probably wish the elections uh, were in June, July or August. But the timing is uh, out of everybody's hands. And the reason that that I see it and the reason that some of these races are coming online late that you mentioned is because the complete lack of an economic message from the Democratic Party. Uh, President Joe Biden started the month by saying the economy was strong as hell. Uh, Yesterday he was talking about levying further taxes Uh, on energy producers. Uh, And that's about all you got in terms of uh, economic messages. Meanwhile, the scare tactics that are consistently trotted out by a party that finds themselves on the ropes, whether it's ending Medicare, whether it involves abortion, uh, you name it, these these scare tactics are ringing hollow because people aren't scared of what's going to happen if they're they're terrified of what's in front of them right now, if they feel as though they can't leave their house without experiencing crime, if they're concerned about how they're going to heat their homes or fill their gas tanks or afford groceries. The situation right now before voters is not very appealing. So therefore, any sort of attempt to scare voters into voting for the alternative, it's just really, really challenging for the party in charge. And that's why this wave is appears hit to set to hit hit the shore with a fairly sizable reach.
2: All right. We're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back after this.
1: Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today.
2: You know, Chad, there's a there's a poll out today in New Hampshire that has Don Bolduc up one over Maggie Hassan. If that's true, uh, boy, the dynamic has changed.
0: Yeah, because this was a seat that going into the cycle, a lot of people thought that Maggie Hassan was a vulnerable Democrat. Uh, they nominated somebody, they you know who the the Democrats and the Republicans thought was going to be easier probably to beat in in Bulldog. You know there were some things he said about the election before, maybe not aligning, uh, you know s- saying that uh, you know the election maybe wasn't uh, wasn't as straightforward as everybody thought. That was a concern. Uh, they were hoping that the governor uh, Sununu, might opt to run for that seat, who they viewed as more electable, and then all of a sudden that he got to be the nominee and Democrats said, okay, we can focus on Georgia and Nevada and maybe even Ohio where Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance are running, something like that. If that's true and that's on the board, that's where you talk to Rick Scott who's the chair of the NRSC uh, you know in charge of getting republicans elected to the senate says yeah maybe we do get to 52 or 53 seats and i should point out even if this is a big republican night and they do flip the senate and again this is the this is not what happened in 2010 where republicans really rang up uh, you know the scoreboard there you know in the house of representatives 63 seats got control of the house but the Democrats still had control of the Senate, which a lot of people are saying, okay, you know, there's only so many things you can do in the House of Representatives. Even if it is a big night for Republicans and they win several of these seats, like maybe they knock off Patty Murray in Washington State, or maybe they knock off Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire, you're only gonna be about 53 seats. And what do we always say, Brett? It's about the math. You're still not getting to 60 seats. And and there's gonna be all sorts of high-minded ideas of what Republicans want to do. And they can't do it because they can't get to 60 votes to overcome a filibuster. And then the question but, will be and the question will be on Mitch McConnell. Do you get rid of the filibuster, which is something he has said he would not do.
2: But Chad and Juan, if Republicans take control of the Senate, they then control the nominees that the president has not finished nominating, you know, getting through. And You're talking about they, judges judges any administration officials any level of ambassador i mean they control you know the the process um and they also control uh the ambition of a biden administration that had still big things to do
3: well i think they got most of their big things done the the record the track record despite the poor messaging i think that came from democrats in this cycle The facts on the ground are that uh, President Biden, with the slim majority, the 50-50 split uh, tilt towards the Democrats due to the vice president's vote, uh, has a tremendous track record of accomplishment at this juncture. Um, But what you see going forward, therefore, if what we're saying is about the Republican momentum actually taking them to the point of controlling the Senate, and that's still in doubt, um, but if it's true, I think what you see is then the Biden administration shift its tactics um, and move away from the legislature, move away from Congress and have a greater focus on foreign policy where it can control things. I mean, clearly, I think they would have a consensus in terms of American public opinion and saying we're going to make sure that Russia loses this war and the pressure would be on Republicans to stop any kind of talk about limiting support for Ukraine going forward. And secondly, to go hard on China and China's ambitions uh, in the Taiwan Strait. So I think you're going to see a shift there. And I imagine that they would also make a bigger effort with some of the executive orders that we've seen, the controversial order, for example, with regard to student loans being the example on the board. But it's that kind of shift away from the legislative agenda. If, in fact, we see this big red wave, I think that even in the Fox News power rankings, what you see is that there is no uh, sense that, uh, you know, one side or the other is going to, you know, win big time on election night and when it comes to Senate races.
2: Yeah, the Senate definitely is in the toss up category with four specifically uh, right in the in the heart, and that is uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. Uh, Colin, in these elections, when these uh, movements happen, uh, the question will be, you know, how accurate are these polls? Have we figured out how to poll Republicans better in a Trump era? Uh, It seems in the past three election cycles, uh, Republicans have been undercounted anywhere from two to five points in most of these polls. If that's the case, um, it's a a major change.
1: Yeah, and pollsters certainly take it on the chin as far as their public reputation and how people hold them in. And I think they, like everybody else, are trying to figure out how to navigate this increasingly online and digital world where a lot of people don't necessarily rely on their landlines, which have been traditionally been the sources uh, of polling information. But in these wave years, and I'll just say I agree with Juan uh, the Democrats have plenty to point to in their first two years of of Congress. The, the trouble for them is that no one's, t- none of their candidates want to talk about it because none of those things have made a demonstrable improvement that they're able to sell to voters. Uh, Even in 2010, uh, when the Democrats were running in a similar climate and and, and on the verge of getting shellacked uh, in the aftermath of Obama, there were still candidates out there talking about the Affordable Care Act and talking about their accomplishments. It's really hard, Brett, to find a candidate who's out there talking about the benefits of, say, the Inflation Reduction Act or the infrastructure bill. And they'll say, well, this will take years to kick in. But that's not exactly a compelling message to voters who are struggling right now. And that's 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 the issue. And I'll say this. Uh, Once the the dust in the midterm settles, President Biden is going to have to come out and give a press conference like every president does and talk about the shellacking or the thumping or whatever verbiage he wants to use. And and that's when the 2024 race will really kick off a great way or one way for him to uh, be a palate cleanser of sorts in a news cycle is to announce uh, he's not going to run for reelection and uh, open up the field uh, on both sides. And we have this wide open presidential primary, which will consume politics in a discussion uh, on both sides of the aisle. Let's just
2: deal with one election at a time, Colin. One election at a time. All right. Thanks, guys. Now for a bit of history. On November 1st, 1800, John Adams became the first U.S. president to move into the newly constructed White House. While plans for the executive mansion were first drawn up in 1792, George Washington would never move in to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Harry Truman would be the only other president to not have the White House as a primary residence for a time, as he would live in the Blair House across the street for three years, while the White House was being renovated. November 1st, 1950, President Truman would survive assassination attempt in the Blair House. An attempt came from two Puerto Rican independence activists who would mortally wound a security officer. Just a little history there. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at Newspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. For Colin, Chad, and Juan, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.